Hello and that. Welcome to another Classic Album Series podcast from us, the chaps at Riot Act. My name is Stephen Hill. His name is Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, hola. Hello. Hola. How you doing? Very, very right. well. Yeah, very excited good. about this. Good, good, good. Thank you very much for joining us um, as part of our Classic Album Series podcast, which hopefully by now you have already signed up to over on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. That's where these usually are. But, you know, because we're nice people, we are giving this first part of this particular podcast away for free. But I should say £5 a month. If you sign up at patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, you get a couple of these every month over on the Patreon page. There's part two of this. If you're listening to this right now, you can probably sign up while you're listening and you will see that the second part of this particular double is there already waiting for you. So um, you've got that to look forward to. Uh, we are doing a two part special because we have picked System of a Down in lieu of the fact that this band has recently released their first new music in 15 years. It seemed like a really, really, really good time to go all the way back to the start uh, and do the birth of System. In that part two, what I was just talking about, we're going to be tackling the global hit, the mainstream behemoth, the breakthrough album that was Toxicity. But in this part here, we go into the album that was released on the 30th of June, 1998, the self-titled debut album by System of a Down that saw them become one of the most talked about metal bands of the late 90s um gonna start off little quote from shavo odajian the band's bass player in 2002 he told kerrang magazine we weren't in competition with anyone else in that scene we were in competition with ourselves that's how we were driven to excel and i think that is quite a good opening statement to be talking about as we go into this mammoth system of a down marathon that we're about about to wander through i did so well nearly getting all of those weird there will be a lot of mispronunciation by the way uh, i can imagine i can imagine this in this piece Um, it's it's probably worth saying as well before we start um we've done a number of classic albums now this is like our 20th batch of classic albums mm -hmm. and um a lot of them are what you know obviously myself and steve choose uh which one we're going to do each week but a lot of the time it that sometimes there are ones which come up where like either of us could have picked system of a down and toxicity um and i feel like we're going to have or even though you've done the bulk of the research on this one, I feel like I'm going to be interjecting a lot because I've got a lot to say. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I was about to say to you, um, ever since, pretty much ever since I have been a functioning cog in the music industry, I don't really feel like I've had anything particularly positive to say about System of a Down. And I get the feeling that there'll be people who are listening who are like, assuming that this would be your pick Renfrey because you've mm. been pretty positive about System of Down always um and I haven't really from whether it be mm. them live or you know I think we were fairly positive about um uh Protect the Land and, and Genocide yeah. of Humanoids their their recent songs but we did say oh it's not as good as the old stuff and I have kind of ragged on System of a Down pretty hard yeah. over the years their download performances and also I think the main one was probably when we reviewed the Scars on Broadway album and whilst I couldn't uh, disagree with a lot of your criticisms I just love the sound of this band and Scars on Broadway basically sound aren't too dissimilar to what System of a Down sound like sort of yeah um, 
I, I just I'm just so in love with the sound that I couldn't really be objective about it. But yeah, mm. even though you're right, it's not a great record. But I still it's enjoy not it. it's not a great record. Although the first one is, I mean, we might first talk about great. that in a little bit. I think we probably won't because, funnily enough, although we are doing the two that you probably would expect us to do, still self-titled and Toxicity. Um, I have a feeling, Renfrew, we may revisit System of a Down in classic albums well, one more time. To be honest with you, that's another thing that's probably worth saying. I, when we put first put the classic albums list together, I think both of us put System up very highly. But um, I actually went for Mesmerize and Hypnotize, not strictly because they're my favourite, because I don't think they are. I think one of these records is my favourite. Um, but I suspected you wouldn't go for Mesmerize and Hypnotize. And I think there's plenty in those albums, which is worth talking about. And I think both of them do deserve classic album status as well. I know that's controversial. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, we'll go into that another time in a year or two. We will go into that another time. Um, but as I said, this part is all about the self-titled System of a Down album. As I mentioned, released on the 30th of June, 1998. System of a Down initially were called a new metal band. In fact, they are often still referred to a uh, the new metal scene quite a lot. But I think the inspiration from bands like Korn and Deftones feels far less pronounced than it did from any of their peers at the time. So I'm going to start this by talking about what actually are System of a Down. Now, we don't always look... Um, at what made a band, what their kind of genetic makeup comes from often um, in these specials. We've done it with a couple of bands. I think um, Depeche Mode, one off the top of my head, where we went back to kind of the early electro scene, sort of see, talked about where all, all that those kind of sounds came from. But we don't always go down this particular lane when we do these classic album specials. But I think because System of a Down are arguably the oddest band at the oddest time that we have spoken about in this entire uh classic album series set of podcasts that we've done i think we should at least start by trying to work out exactly what it was where this sound came from and i mean i don't even think the band themselves are entirely sure that they can really articulate it uh, i found a quote from a guy who was the booker at an la club called the troubadour he's called paul mcguigan and he remembers when he first started putting system of a down on back in the mid 90s and he says i remember that the guys in the band didn't really know a lot about heavy music i remember Chavo came up to me and was asking me what i knew about caius and neurosis he'd never heard of them before and Chavo says we didn't even know who corn were until after their first record came out that's how untouched by the scene we were back then we came from a different mental place from everybody at the time um we'll talk a little bit about the la scene around that time as we go through the special but just as a kind of as an opening thing um that feels really genuine to me mm. yeah like that I, I there are some bands who go when you know i've i've interviewed david drayman and he's gone yeah we're not really disturbed we're not really influenced by anything else just ourselves we always sound different we don't sound like any and it's like come on mate and i know bands like to say that it's very rare that they say it and you go yeah that makes sense mm. we've talked about distinct individual sounds on this uh podcast quite a lot like a band having their own very unique identifiable sound and System of a Down are one of the one of the top tier for having a 
unique even kind of like those new singles they felt very system-esque you know like i think just having surge and darren but john dolmayan's playing as well is very very distinct the um uh the armenian flavors that they bring to the music as well and the sort of rhythms and patterns that is not normally associated with western music it's just so identifiably them it yeah it absolutely certainly is and i think you know this is this is one of the things that we have to try and kind of unravel to get to the bottom of what it is that makes System of a Down, System of a Down, I think. Um, I found a quote from Serge Tankian from kind of early on in their career, and uh, he was asked about what System of a Down sound like, and he says, we have a powerful metal edge. Our music has a lot of dynamics that come from different genres. We're into punk, death metal, metal, classic rock, jazz, gothic, hardcore, grindcore, Middle Eastern music, Armenian music, European music, poetry, funk. When we were kids, we started out listening to one type of music, but as we progressed, we were all turned on to different genres. You can only listen to so much metal before you start hungering for more. We intentionally try not to stay in one genre. It's definitely helped mold out our sound into something more dynamic. Now, that, again, I think rings perfectly true for System of a Down absolutely it does but all of those things are quite like when you talk about metal you can go well there's this there's that and there's the other there's all kinds of other things where you go what exactly does that mean specifically um so let's see if we can try and pick it apart um metal for a start renfrey like the riffs no doubt about it they're metal system of a downer a heavy band um they were formed incidentally uh, after serge tankian and guitarist Darren Malakian's band Soil split in 1994. Uh, they roped in Shavo, who was um, as a bassist, who was their schoolmate, and their drummer was Andy Kachurian initially. They were named um, as System of a Down after a line in a poem that Darren wrote called Victims of a Down. Shavo thought the name was too negative and they changed it to a much broader sounding System of a Down. Apparently, the word system was chosen that the band could be close to Slayer in record shops when their record came out. So Slayer, influence number one, I think you can definitely hear a little bit of Slayer in the System of a Down mould for sure. Um, Shavo says, Slayer is one of those bands that taught me how to play the guitar. I would sit there and listen to Rain in Blood, Show No Mercy and South of Heaven. It was like religion to me. When when System first came up, people asked me to explain our music and I would say it's as if Slayer and the Beatles had a baby. (laughs) Maybe. Mm. I mean, Slayer, definitely. Um, I would chuck in Metallica. I think, you know, as every single metal band that have come out since Metallica really have to say they have been influenced by Metallica. Um, I'd say Anthrax as well. I mean, Anthrax, as much as we don't have a lot positive to say about Anthrax today, they were a very strange thrash band when you look back at what they used to do. They're also a very eclectic thrash band as well. Covering pop songs, doing hip-hop songs, kind of comedy songs, slow songs, fast songs, funk-influenced songs. I think Anthrax are probably the most... um, dexterous and um uninhibited by genre of those big thrash bands so i would chuck anthrax in there as an inter as an influence a little bit as well okay how yeah. about how, how about you um are we speaking strictly metal at the moment mm. 
Um, Just for the metal portion, yes. That's a pretty good summation. I think Anthrax is a, a bit of an outlier, but I can understand your argument for it. Uh, would I throw in anything else? No, I've got a big punk one, but I'm sure you'll cover that. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, I mean, also, um, when Darren and Serge were forming the the band System of Down, they said they, they weren't actually looking for a group that was for um, Armenians. They were open to getting anybody in. Yeah. Obviously, that's not what happened. So that thing, um, which has become such a kind of integral part of their identity, may not have been a thing at all in mm. certain circumstances. Um, but I think, obviously, that Armenian heritage is massive. Um, Serge has said, we're proud of our heritage and it's definitely an influence that we don't want to deny as far as our music and our standing and some of our thinking is concerned. It's just not specifically something that we are trying to involve in our music and say, look, we're Armenian. We don't want to point it out all the time because I don't think we need an excuse. I don't think it's cool to come out and say, okay, we're an Armenian band, so we're going to try and capitalise on that. We just happen to be Armenian guys who know each other from the community and like to play music, which I guess... That's cool, but I guess that kind of brings us to Armenian music. And that's the thing people often say about System of a Down, isn't it? It's this meld of like a metal band and a punk band and this kind of blanket statement of Armenian music. Hmm. Now, I didn't want to come on this podcast and just go, oh, it's this punk band and that punk band and this metal band and that metal band and, you know, these other weird things and quote unquote, armenian music yeah but it's I, like that term world music isn't it it's so yeah. kind of oh yeah and that stuff you know which yeah, no yeah, one really yeah. listens to except for hippies blah 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 but you know that's <laughs> yeah absolutely not the case now i don't know much about armenian folk music and i'm sure i can probably speak for you to say that you're not I, i'm much not of an expert i'm not particularly au fait, no i mean the, no. the the stuff that i know is through system of a down so right okay so um I decided to see if I could find some Armenian folk music that really reminded me of System of a Down um, and just sort of look at its uh, its sort of history a little bit as well. The man who's usually considered the big gun of Armenian folk music is a gentleman called Komistas Vardapret, who was a priest and a musicologist in the early part of the 20th century who actually transcribed and first recorded a lot of very early Armenian music from the predating centuries now i listened to a recording of him in paris in 1912 so it's going right 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 back over 100 years ago um most of it is kind of a cappella. um so in terms of instrumentation there's not really a lot to take away from that but you can hear the kind of vocal patterns that serge uses in system of a down that kind of um i mean we spoke about mongolian throat singing uh, yes. a couple of times yeah. on this and system of a down and surge particularly i mean darren has it a bit but i think surge particularly his voice the you know the instrument that is surge's voice um that kind of trebly wobbly shamanic kind of throat singing sounds are very clear um there's a song called if you go on i was just gonna say so um there's the sort of breakdown bit of science on toxicity i know that's a diff- different mm. album but um, says there's that bit where he's um, undulating, I guess, I'll, I'll yeah. between the two, the before it goes into the letting the rings go through the unfolding his face, but you know, like before that bit where he's yeah. Yep. So that would be an example mm-hmm. of it. 
Yeah. Um, I would say, if you're interested in this at all, there is a song that I found called Aaron U Tarak. That's not how you say it. Apologies again ta- for the... Uh, <laughs> Takrank. Ra- I think it's how you spell it. It's, it's, it's A-R-O-R-N-O-U-T-A-K-R-A-K-N. Um, and it, it does... I mean, to say it sounds like System of a Down would be very, very unfair because you're looking at, like I said, nearly 100 years between those two things being recorded. But you can definitely go, ah, oh, yes, that is the flavour and the musicology and the um, the sound of Armenian music. And like I say, Komistas Vardapret is kind of considered the first person to actually capture those those songs and that style, that kind of Armenian folk sound and actually have it recorded as well um, he sounds to me a little bit like alan lomax if people are familiar with the lomax sound recordings he was an american um ethan museologist i think would probably be the word um who was very well known for his sort of folk recordings around the u.s and he captured a lot of the mm. um slave music which you know would inspire zeal and Arda and all that kind of thing so he's probably by the sounds of it he's a comparison point yeah um i also listened to some piano works from 1906 to 1911 um that he composed now although the rock band instruments are not present in the same way as they are in system of a down it's the rhythmic stylings that system of a down using songs like spiders on this record peephole you know that kind of the the system of a down beat almost that they brought into metal which is a very kind of odd and unfamiliar rhythmic kind of uh stylings that they have in in heavy music i think this is one of the first times i'd heard that style of rhythm it's, it's very all, very pronounced it's almost bouncy isn't it yeah i wonder if that's one of the reasons i mean bar timing as well obviously i wonder if that's another reason why they get lumped in with new metal quite a lot because their riffs are very bouncy but i think that's more due to the armenian traditions than it is I guess from new metal, it'd be hip hop, I suppose. Um, mm. But they, they, they basically, you get the same, well, it's a slightly different flavor, but you get the same result. I suppose you want to bounce to it, you know, bounce. Yeah. Pogo, 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 pogo. Yeah. Bounce. Um, and you know, a lot of, even though it's just played on the piano, it's the same kind of cadence and the same, that kind of jaunty, like you say, bouncy rhythmical stylings are there, even at the sort of the very early part of the 20th century. And this is music that Commissus Vardapret actually composed himself. So this is his own music as opposed to, you know, the, the other thing that I was talking about where he was using, he was actually singing traditional Armenian folk music as well. Is so, there a line to be drawn between that piano music and you're familiar with Serge Tankin's first album, right? Yeah, Elect the, Elect dead, the yeah. dead. There's a song on there called Lie Lie Lie, which is very piano based and very mm-hmm. jumpy, bouncy. Is there a line to be made uh, there? Probably. I mean, yeah. I've not listened to that song for ages, so I couldn't say. But I think, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a line to be drawn. Just I would say purely from that all the way through System of a Down's career in yeah. terms of just, like I say, the cadence, the, the rhythmical cadence that is used in that is is it's very clear. It's very, very, very clear. I've never heard it in any other rock band. So, you know, it feels right. Interesting. Like that would be part of it. Um, there's a gentleman as well called Harat Pambokian. 
I think that's how you say it, okay. who now lives in LA, but is a long-standing and very popular Armenian folk artist. He's got a song called um, uh, Tarana, which uses really big swells and quickly picked guitar chords. You hear like the start of suggestions on the system of a down album. Diddling, 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 that, that, those kind of things. Again, I mean, I don't know how much that's something which happens in metal, but it doesn't happen in metal in the way that System of a Down use it. But I always thought that they'd kind of found a new way to play kind of picked, plucked strings yeah. in a metal sort of thrash metal styling. Whereas actually listening to that song, I was like, oh my God, that really is, that that feels like a, a stylistic choice from Armenian sort of cultural music. Would the beginning of Needles be another example of that? Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. I'm using toxic exactly. examples, but yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've sort of deliberately tried to use the first yeah. album, but you yeah. use whatever you're getting thrown I'm, at the, I'm, I'm just, off the top of your head. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to contribute. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine, mate. Um, and I, I mean, I listen to a lot of stuff. There's plenty of things I heard that I think are relevant to System of Down. There's a band called uh, Zulal who used two voices in a similar way that Serge and Darren do. Um, they actually kind of come slightly after system of a down a lot of their their bigger material so i think maybe okay. system of a down possibly inspired them who yeah. knows um but i think one of the better shouts might be a guy called arto tunkbarkian okay i think that's how you say it mm -hmm. he actually is a multi-instrumentalist an avant-garde musician of uh turkish armenian descent who again lives in la now he fronts a band called the armenian navy band and he's done over 200 recordings in europe before he moved to america and worked with people like chet baker um i checked out his debut solo album virgin land which came out in 1989 and it's a really really interesting record a very dark very twisted in its vocal delivery incredibly avant-garde very odd he does these high-pitched yelps that are recorded quite far back in the vocal mix in his delivery um is very shamanic like he's been possessed by some kind of spirit there's a nine minute long song on that record called um delia which is full of all these weird rhythmical things it really slows down speeds up it's got him kind of talking in tongues and using these very old traditional sounding odd instruments that you don't really hear in western music very much and in terms of the, i'd say the first system of a down album particularly it seems like he would be something of a kindred spirit to those guys um and I, I then found out, I mean, we'll probably talk about him a little bit later because um, Arto, the sort of secret song on the end of Toxicity, yeah. actually features this guy, which I didn't know until I've written these notes. And then later on, as I went through, I was like, oh, it's the same guy. Well, Arto and a bunch of the songs on Toxicity as well. Um, yeah. So he's actually worked with System of a Down. Um, yeah. I didn't realize it was the same dude until later on when I was doing the sort of the second the sort of research for the second part of this, but yeah, he came up and I was like, oh, he definitely sounds like someone that System of a Down would be inspired by. And well, they got him in to do Socticity, so that would probably make sense. I went through a few other bits of Bob's, uh, bits of Bob's. He gets more listenable as, as his career progresses, I would say, but he is a pretty odd artist and the shoe does fit pretty well. So um, there you go. That would be, I think, um, <laughs> There's a lot to get into to just go kind of, like I say, blanket Armenian folk music. But I think there's a few things there that are more than just going and Armenian yeah, music. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so uh, John Domain joined System of Down as well after Andy Couturian had a hand injury, had to leave the band. And they began to play the kind of L.A. scene. 
Um, and I mean, what else would you say System of a Down were inspired by? I mean, I guess there's a big fuck off dollop of kind of punk rock and experimental music in there as well, isn't there? I mean, the big one, I think your big one and my big one are probably the same. Yeah, Dead Kennedy. I'll let you say it. Yeah, the Dead, Dead Kennedys. Kennedys. Yep. I think the Dead Kennedys are probably the single biggest comparative point to System of a Down. I'm really glad you said me. that. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. Obviously, it's a heavier, harder, harsher sound than Dead Kennedys. But yeah, it's Dead Ken I mean, if you really, really want to simplify it to its basis elements, which we don't generally like to do, but we'll just do it for this. Um, Slayer meets uh, Dead Kennedys with some Armenian influence as well, I suppose. That's the elevator pitch, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I got fresh fruit for rotten vegetables after I'd heard System of a Down. And as we so, go through this, you know, I, I will talk about the fact that, you know, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing the first time I heard System of a Down. I didn't know what this band were. They had an entirely new language and an entirely new sound, an entirely new set of influences that I really wasn't aware of. Like I say, I still don't really know anything about Armenian music. I knew about metal, but I didn't know about metal in in this in this form. And I knew I'd heard I, you know, this was back in the nineties where getting your hands on Misfits albums, Minor Threat albums, Black Flag albums dead kennedy's albums it was not an easy thing to just go into the you know the r price in basingstoke and pick those records up so you had to kind of bide your time and hope you were going to grab one one day and i did manage to find fresh fruit for rotten vegetables after i had uh got into the first system of a down album and listening to it i mean i couldn't believe how similar they were i was like oh my god there is a band who really really sound like this um the guitar tone, the way the guitars are played, the vocals, that kind of wild bug-eyed madness of the whole thing. I just think they are a really, really, really big inspiration and comparative sort of um, band to be getting into. I'd mentioned Bad Brains as well. I think HR's style and his almost preacher-like performances must have been really, really inspiring um, to System of a Down. I'd also mentioned Jazz Coleman from Killing Joke. Again, as a reference to Serge as well, from the makeup to the stage presence. Again, he's got that shamanic preacher-like uh, thing going on. I think they're all really, really big ones. Um, yeah. As are Mr. Bungle. Mr. Yeah. Bungle, do you think? Yes, yes, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was umming and erring whether to put them in with the metal ones, but I mean, where Mr. Bungle are just in a category by themselves, aren't they? Really, but yeah, Bungle, yeah. yeah. Bungle's a difficult one. I mean, we recently did a writers' review on California by Bungle, and we talked about their entire discography and the manner in which they just don't create normal-sounding records. Um, the way that Mike Patton uses his voice in so many styles, these kind of odd characters that he creates in Bungle and in Phantomers and in you know many many of his other things that he's done since then i mean that is totally what system of a down do i think the kind of psychedelic weirdness of captain beefheart frank zappa early pink floyd all of that psychedelic weirdness is an obvious influence as well shavo said the beatles earlier um john dolmayan when i interviewed him earlier this year uh, he picked 10 albums that really inspired him and um the wall was the first one 
So you were you delighted know, by I that. Would, I remember I was listening fuck, in. I was fucking delighted by that. Yeah. Um, but then I, th- I think that's. I mean, any other kind of weird avant-garde influences that you can hear in System of a Down that you think need mentioning, Renfrey? I mean, I'm sure there are some, but uh, none come to mind. I feel like you've covered it pretty well there. Okay. Um, I think we also should still mention a band like Rage Against the Machine mm. as well. Um, Rage for their kind of meld of styles and their intensity and the kind of politically motivated polemic, I think would have been an inspiration to most of those bands. Um and even corn really for taking kind of new metal and making it a you know a, a commercially viable thing to do i mean they were kind of nirvana to you know faith no more and rage rage were kind of the rage were like the pixies to corn's mm. nirvana if you like and and i think they're the ones that really made that music that gave it a kind of mainstream language yeah. particularly by 1998 you know where they were getting number one hits and stuff yeah and of um, course surgeon tom morello um used to get together and do stuff for access of justice i d- i think most of that came post first album i remember a lot yeah. of it between toxicity and mesmerized and hypnotized but yeah surely surely there was a mutual kind of respect there for them to team up and form that organization yeah i think so for sure um we have spoken about 1998 as a year uh, when we did the first Queens of Stone Age album. Um, and we kind of talked about Queens as a, a sort of, uh, I guess, a sort of island from what was going on in music at that time. And they didn't make a massive commercial dent initially, Queens of Stone Age. And that's why I think it's probably important that we, I guess, address probably for the first time, really, we get to address the sort of, first wave of new metal uh when it was actually good uh the scene in la that scene come 1998 um it's an interesting one i think because people think of new metal as this very very mainstream very clunky very identical scene and i think by 1998 there was a couple of indications that it was going to be going that way but that movement was sort of spawned from the same clubs that birthed glam, you know, the Roxy, the Troubadour, the whiskey, but it was very, very different in 1998 to how it was 10 years earlier. I mean, system of a down, they are, they were part of that. Even if you don't call them a new metal band, undoubtedly they were part of it. They were so different from it, but they were still playing those clubs. Um, Looking back at it, I do think that whatever you think about new metal and what it ended up being that, was an exciting thing that seemed to be happening around that city back then is that fair to say oh yeah really exciting like it felt really new and vibrant and yeah like like nothing we'd never heard before i think at that point yeah i think it was the fact that you know those clubs were kind of vacated (laughs) after like what would you call it the grunge apocalypse in the early 90s um all of the superstars of that era all those big bands that are on label you know major labels that are on mtv and stuff that used to kind of that made their names in those kind of clubs they just sort of vanished and it just meant that 
you know, it, <laughs> for a few years, I remember when I first was getting into rock music, they talked about the Sunset Strip like it was this kind of, you know, and then the LA club scene where bands are playing like, you know, it's dead, it's over. It's just, you, I, I imagined it all like boarded up with tumbleweeds rolling down the road and stuff. Mm. That's how they made it out to be. And I think maybe for a few years, it might have been like that. And that's why a bit like, you know, the early days of CBGBs, it was just like, well, we need to have people come in and play here, mm. no matter what they are, no matter what they do. Um, and it's actually, I mean, again, talking of corn, um, Amy Echo from Human Waste Project was mm. quoted in a piece about System of a Down in Kerrang! in 2002. And she was asked about that early scene. She said it started with Corn, who'd moved to Orange County. I remember that they, uh, I remember that Human Waste Project and Corn used to play together at least twice a month before they got their deal. We'd play Huntington Beach together and then we'd all go up to LA and play a couple of days later. So those clubs that were kind of vacated um, after the glam boom, you suddenly got Corn, Deftones, Cold Chamber, Snot. Static X, Head PE, Manhole, who were later Tura Satana. Those were the bands that were playing those clubs early on. Yeah. Um, and John Dolmayan said, like thinking back to that time, he, he said, uh, you could go on a Monday night to the Troubadour or a Tuesday at the Roxy, get in for free and choke and check out local bands. There were hundreds of kids there. And if you're an upcoming band, then it was a great way to get your name out there, which, you know, I think had grunge not come along, New metal might not have happened, which is oh, an odd totally. thing, which is a really odd thing to think, isn't it? Well, yes and no, I suppose. I mean, every single genre or subgenre is, uh, is a reaction to what's come before, isn't it? In a, in a weird way. And I think new metal was kind of a reaction to um, this perceived notion that grunge wasn't much fun. And there was a bit of fun injected into sort of heavier, distorted guitar music again. So mm. I think that was the feeling of a lot of people. Um, and there was just this, you know, grunge was sort of anti-theatrical. And you can't really say that of new metal with all the, I mean, look at what System of a Down were doing early on with their, I, I'm, I'm one thing that I'm really gutted about, and I know that you did see them during that era, but that era when they used to come out in makeup and stuff like that, I never got to see System in that era, uh, mm. which was just the first record really, wasn't it? pretty much yeah yeah because i mean i first saw them on toxicity so um but i would have loved to have seen them like that um you know and it's interesting mudvayne do it a couple of years later and are ridiculed for it you know but at that time yeah. it seemed genuinely freakish and unique and interesting well there was cold chamber as well That's i mean true. you then have bands like i mean this you know, we'll probably get onto this in a, in a little tiny bit, but sort of post Cold Chamber, um, I think people started looking at a lot of those bands with a bit more cynicism. Mm. I think people looked at Head PE and Snot and certainly Corn and Deftones, probably Human Waste Project as well. And obviously I think someone like Fear Factory would fit into that category. Manhole, Downset, all those bands were looked at as credible good metal bands who all had their own little weird unique sound and then cold chamber it was very very cartoony mm. and cold chamber you're looking at kind of early 97 when cold chamber yeah. come along and already at that point suddenly orgy uh spine shank 
that kind of stuff i think people are like okay it feels like this is becoming formulaic already mm. only kind of three years after the first corn album comes out and corner on life is peachy follow the leader wasn't even out at that point but no. already it's like i mean i speaking personally for myself i was getting like i mean it seems mad to say i was getting bored of new metal by 1998 i mean imagine how i felt in 2002 (laughs) but um but but you know i think system of a down really saved that scene i think that there's a there's definitely an argument as we get i mean i think the kerrang review later on kind of references it a little bit um but system initially I think this is a lot sort of struggled to get gigs around LA because they weren't really part of, of that movement. You know, they weren't really, they weren't particularly mates with corn and they didn't really know anyone. And they were a really different band. They're a really weird band. And apparently the guy who got them their first gig, who got them their gig at a, a place called the dragonfly in LA gave the booker, um, a tape was Jamie Miller, the drummer from snot really so the drummer from snot is responsible for getting system of a down into that la scene um he made he when they were doing a gig apparently he got the booker and he made him sit there and listen to the system of a down demo who was blown away and then after that as soon as they saw them once in la it just sort of took off and they were you know, they were selling out clubs. I mean, again, Amy Echo talks about the first time she ever saw them headline in the Roxy. And she said it was absolutely mob, totally sold out. There were people climbing on top of cars, scaling the walls and entering the club through little windows upstairs just to see the show. This is an unsigned local band playing at a local club. Mm-hmm. And it was sold out to that extent that people were kind of climbing through the walls. And it just felt like System was sort of destined to be the next big breakout band of that LA circuit. I mean... I used to get Kerrang! every week and they would start reviewing these bands. Like suddenly it would be a review from the Roxy or a review from the Troubadour and it would be a band I've never heard of before. Mm. And post-Corn happening, you'd have no idea these bands were, but you just got the feeling, you just knew that they were going to come over here and be a big deal. Mm. You just knew they were going to be supporting Machine Head or Fear Factory or, you know, Deftones or something. They're just like... It felt like everything coming from there at that time was immediately fast-tracked for media attention Mm. because it was just super-duper exciting. Um, uh, Do you remember any more of those? I I guess Limp Biscuit would be another one. I know they're from Jacksonville, Florida, but they (laughs) were sort of became part of that scene as well. Uh, Well, their first album was 97. Like oh, seven, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incubus as well. <clears throat> yeah, Incubus, my favourite. I mean, there were a lot of other bands who sounded like that. Kilgore, Ultra Spank, Video Drone. I think Jonathan Davis signed them around that time. But you know, by nineteen ninety eight, um, this was it was certainly not like the dregs of new metal that we're probably going to be talking about in the second part of this podcast. No, no, no. But I think there's no denying that the landscape that had looked so exciting and rosy a couple of years before had now become something which was far less interesting to me. And there was you know, the, the, when, the beginning of a second wave was happening, which wasn't yeah. necessarily as exciting as the first. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at the, I mean, we'll go into the list. We've already done the list for 1998. When you look at the, the Kerrang! albums of the year, System of a Down, System of a Down is third 
on the Kerrang! albums of the year behind Monster Magnet, uh, Power Trip and Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals. There's not really a lot in the way of new metal at all on this list. No. I mean, there's not even a lot in the way of metal, to be honest. I mean, you've got Rob Zombie's Hellbilly Deluxe at number eight. You've got Soul Flight number four, just one place below system. Cold by Cold. I mean, they're another one of those bands that you were like, yeah. against by Sepultura. And that's it, really. That's it. So there's yeah. not a lot of kind of, you know, this brand new exciting sound that, you know, a couple of years ago people were going mad for. It's not it's not really represented in Kerrang! particularly. And then when you go over to the Metal Hammer list, again, it's the top two are exactly the same. Monster Magnet, Power Trip, Mariner Manson, Mechanical Animals. Pitch Shifter by Pitch Shifter. Pitch Shifter www.pitchshifter.com by Pitch Shifter is number three. Um, there's more metal in this one. Slayer, Diabolus and Musica, Polkus is Greed. Obsolete by Fear Factory, Soulfly, uh, Entomb, same difference, Sepultura, Anthrax, Metallica's Garage Inc., Ocean Machine, Rob Zombie. No System of a Down mm. in the Metal Hammer. In the Metal Hammer top 20 albums of the year, no System of a Down whatsoever. Um, the only other list that the first System of a Down album made it into the Critics Albums of the Year for was... Not the enemy, unsurprisingly. Not Q, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Um, or the Melody Maker. But Terrorizer. There's some really surprising things in this list, aren't there? Really surprising S- things. System of a Down was 20th. Mm. Um, and I would say they are really the only thing even oh, anywhere close to being new metal, really with the exception maybe if you're counting fear factory as one of those la metal bands who were sort of forward thinking which i think at this point is what new metal was supposed to be fear factory is obsolete is at 11 so the haunted by the haunted is number one uh alternative four by anathema the only alternative album uh the only anathema of my own is at number two mm-hmm. iron monkeys are problem is number four great record power trip by monster magnet is four sorry it's four um so iron monkeys three don't know how i've managed to mix three and four <laughs> up rubbish um formulas fatal to the flesh by morbid angel is number five okay diabolism musica by slayer is number six vision disorders imprint is number seven yeah. amazing record great great to see that there because yeah. like they they were still a small band they they were well they've never been a massive band but they were quite small at that point yeah yeah really really were um witchery restless and dead not aware of that record queens of stone age i'm not sure we mentioned it on the queens of stone age I, special. I have to say i mean yeah i'm gonna throw my hands up here and say i didn't even think to check the terrorizer list for queens of the stone age to be totally honest yeah. so my bad I, I do have to keep remembering that terrorizer was a far broader magazine than i give it credit for particularly in the beginning of its run uh, it yeah, got le- sure. it got less broad as it went on. I think uh, there's no way Queens of the Stone Age would be in there in like 2006 or something. You know, no, but, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So fair play, my my bad. Um, Swans are dead by Swans mm. is number ten. Fear Factory is obsolete as mentioned. Uh, Amongst the Catacombs by Nile. Shape of Punk to Come by Refused at yeah. number thirteen. Yeah, fucking fair, fair play. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, the only be- the only magazines that have mentioned to it. Pick up on Iced it. Earth. Something wicked this way comes is fifteen. Bruce Dickinson's Chemical Wedding is sixteen. Cryptopsy's Whisper Supremacy is seventeen. Soylent Green's Sewn Mouth Secrets is eighteen. Diamanda Gala. Uh, mm-hmm. Male Addiction and Prayer by Diamanda Galas. Is it Galas or Gala? I th- Galas. I thought it? it was Galas, but yeah. yeah okay, Galas. Um, I mean, that's 
pretty fucking crazy as yeah. well. Yeah. For a metal yeah. magazine to be featuring that. It's nuts. Um, yeah. System of a Down, System of a Down is 20, as mentioned. Anthrax Volume 8 is 21. Chaosphere by Meshuggah. I mean, again, at this point, no one really spoke about Meshuggah in the media. No. A very, very underground band. Mm. Um, Deviate by Kill to This. I cannot understand in what world that could possibly i mean you know when i talk about the shitty dregs of new metal when you get a shitty manchester band about some fucking losers from manchester doing an album as bad as that that was when i was like this shit has got to like already i'm done because yeah. that album is terrible yeah. um you've got some history with kill to this as well haven't you? i have yeah yeah <laughs> it's above cruelty and the beast by cradle yeah. of Phil. <laughs> Which above, is fucking insane. Fucking when forever comes crashing. When forever comes, yeah. So you got like kill to this, Cradle of Filth, Cruelty and the Beast, which I think is undoubtedly one of the best Cradle of Filth albums. Yeah, yeah. When forever comes crashing by Converge, you know it's not up there with the very best Converge albums, but it's still a very very good yeah. record. My Arms, Your Hearse by Opeth. It's above. That's three absolutely yeah. great records. This is another point where I feel like I need to throw my hands up because in the Opeth special, I was like, well, the UK didn't really pay attention to Opeth until Blackwater Park. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, yeah, yeah I, I need to send some apologies to Terrorizer, I suppose. Yeah, mm. so fair play. Um, Discouraged Ones by Catatonia at 27. Um, Borknagar, 28. Uh, with the archaic curse don't know that album beyond dawn revelry at 29 the gathering how to measure a planet at 30 i kind of vaguely remember that record but i don't know if it's any good or not do you know if they ever found out, <laughs> do you know if they ever found out how to measure a planet um i don't i think you need quite a few uh what are they called tape measures you need those me those meter rulers where you just you just <laughs> yeah. you need like loads of those yeah yeah um uh where were we uh my dying bride 34.788 percent complete that's an annoying I've title not, i've not heard that yeah <laughs> hammerfall mm. uh the dillinger escape plan under the running board yeah. is 33 which is not an album it's an ep so but but still really be there but still but yeah. still fair play Dillin dillinger a year a year before calculate infinity came yeah out. Play. yeah um soul by mind drops 34 uh blonde hem by enslaved at 35 i suppose that's not hugely surprising but still like uh, uh 36 breed the killers by earth crisis i've got a fair bit of time for that record we did um, that on um trade, trade off, off. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 it's a good record that but it's not it's not earth crisis best to be fair over the jams by avail at 37 mm. avail in terrorizer yeah. that's mad I love Avail. I haven't even thought about Avail for ages. What a fucking brilliant band. Um, Medulla Nocte, A Conversation Alone at 38. Again, like, Medulla Nocte were a band who got a fair old bit of love from certain people in the press. Like, I know Dom Lawson loved them. Uh, they always got really, really well reviewed in... Um, in a in a lot of magazines but they didn't really ever seem to cross over so but then being there i think that's cool as well because they were good but i mean you know i, I interviewed paul catton um once and he's a really just a really fucking good bloke i don't know if people listening remember medulla Nocte. do you remember the medulla Nocte at all Renfrey? a little bit i'm i'm not super familiar with their oeuvre but um i you know i vaguely know of them and i don't think yeah. i've ever properly checked them out if i'm totally honest well, you should I really should listen like a conversation alone is unbelievably brutal kind of spiteful i mean particularly for the time 
okay. yeah, really, really good. Uh, when Satan Lives by Deicide is number 39, like classic Deicide. <laughs> and Exterminate by Angel Corpse is number 40. So all in all, I would say Terrorizer for the win on the albums of the year there. Yeah, fucking brilliant list. To be, and to so, be perfectly honest. So many records which you think, oh, fuck, they picked up on that by that point. That's, yeah, very, very impressive. Really impressive. Yeah. But it goes to show that, I mean, Kerrang! obviously went big on System of a Down, System of a Down. But even by night, I mean, you know, I think we'll get into it in a little bit because I'm convinced that part of the reason this is, I mean, I said, you know, this this album was released on the 30th of June, 1998. It was in America. Um, It wasn't over here. I don't know when it was released, but... It, I'm pretty sure it didn't come out then in the UK. So there's definitely a little bit of a, a gap. But anyway, we'll get into that in a little bit. At this point, as I said, system um, playing scene, playing you know, playing clubs in LA, getting a fair bit of traction. Um, that kind of new metal gold rush was just sort of starting around this time. I think mm. this is when you start getting like, oh, everybody's getting signed. Um, by the start of 1997, System of Down had three demos out and there was this significant buzz around all things LA scene. Cut to Rick Rubin, he of American Recordings fame. He's the guy who's produced LL Cool J, The Beastie Boys, Slayer, The Cult, The Black Crows, Tom Petty, ACDC and many, many more prior to this. Um, Rick Rubin gets word of this band system of a down he did an interview with zane lowe a few years back which you should watch the entire thing it's for the bbc just before zane lowe left uh, radio one it's really really good and zane lowe made a point of asking him talking to him about system of a down and rick rubin went off on a good few minutes about system of a down now i would say you should listen to the whole interview with rick rubin because it's really really good you're a fan of rick rubin aren't you in the main room free in the main yeah i think rick rubin's absolutely wonderful i mean mm. there was a time where <clears throat> quite a long time as well at least like half a decade where if rick rubin produced it it was gonna be fucking killer it's gonna be a fucking killer record you could even argue there was like the back half of the 80s and most of the 90s you could say if rick rubin had a hand in it it was going to be a good record, I would, I would argue. Yeah, that's true. And then Californication came out. Um, <laughs> I rem So this is what Rick Rubin had to say about System of a Down when asked by Zane Lowe. He says, I remember seeing him for the first time at the Viper Room. About 200 people sold out. And I remember laughing the whole time, just laughing. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen, but in a good way. Not laughing because it was bad. It was so over the top, so extreme, like Armenian folk dancing with heavy metal riffs and wild political lyrics and screaming. It was wild, crazy music. Usually a lot of heavy music falls into a similar thing. I'm not going to say it's interchangeable because it's not, but there are certain rules of heavy metal that everyone sort of follows. System of a Down were a heavy band. You could say a heavy metal band, but they didn't follow those rules. There was no Metallica rhythm. You'd hear a System of a Down rhythm, you know, dum 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 I think he does that a bit from Atwa uh, when he says that. And it's rooted in their Armenian heritage. So they took elements from folk music and took that into heavy metal. And I can remember that while those of us 
There were those of us who loved them fanatically. People hated them. The big radio station in LA is K-Rock. And I remember Kevin Weatherly, who is the program director at K-Rock, saying to me, System of a Down is a band that we will never play on our station. 100%. I don't care what happens. I don't care. That doesn't fill our station. And a year later, they were the number one band on the station. They clearly didn't fit, but they were so good that they transcended not fitting. And those are the artists that I love the best. They don't really fit anywhere. They aren't another from the mold. Rage Against the Machine is another good example. No one before Rage Against the Machine sounded like Rage Against the Machine. And a lot of people didn't like them for the, for that reason. But those are the revolutionary bands. Those are the bands that changed the world. Fair? I can't argue with any of that. I, I couldn't put it yeah. better myself. Um, I suppose he's quite eloquently and brilliantly summed up what I talk about all the time with identity mm. there, having your own very, you know, specific kind of voice and identity. But yeah, I completely and utterly agree with everything he said there. Yeah. So Rick Rubin was initially like blown away by System of Down and wanted to sign them. He actually decided he was going to sign them on the strength of their fourth demo. Now, the band at this point, as I mentioned, have released three demos. Their fourth demo, um, they they apparently hadn't sent any demos out to any record companies in the first three, mm. right? So they made a demo purely to send out to record company people. Mm. And Rick Rubin was one of the people that heard that and then went to see them and was like, I have to sign you. Um but I, I'm, gonna, they, I'm just going to throw in here. I'm such a big system of a down nut. I've heard all of those demos. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They're fucking. Mm. They're, they're. Well, we'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk about war. The video for mm. war in a little bit as well, mm. and how kind of different it is. And I guess what Rick Rubin brings to it. But um, they nearly signed for Universal. Darren Malakian mm. says we were actually going to sign for Universal, but then we went into their offices and looked at the posters on the walls and what they were promoting, and we realised that they didn't have any rock acts or even anybody in there that knew what to do with rock. It was pretty much a hip-hop R&B culture that they were building there. As soon as we walked out of that meeting, we said, you know, man, we should just go with Rick. He believes in us. He's not following any trends. He's just going with his instinct. Um, so, yeah, those demos, uh, they, they went off with Rick Rubin, but those demos, Renfrew, do you want to talk about those demos at all? I mean, particularly, there's a video for War, which is not the album version. I think you can find it on YouTube. And it's the band playing in a club and it's nowhere near as perfect um, mm. or as loud or as brilliant as the version that you hear on the album. Um, I'm Presumably you've seen or heard that before. I think so. Um, it rings a bell, certainly. I mean, I know the demos fairly well. I, they, they, I mean, it's variations of the songs that we would hear later yeah. and, and like not you know not quite as good but you can you can hear the magic there you can hear that there is something different about yeah. this band um yeah just they just need to get into a proper recording studio which is exactly yeah for sure i mean it's it's really obvious if you watch that video for war it's really obvious that it's not the original i mean serge's vocals are basically the same but kind of quieter and just not just not as good just genuinely not as good um but the whole and the whole thing is like really i think it's quite the step down from what you hear on the record but i mean i think that's the thing about if you know anything about rick rubin you know that it's not really what he does as a producer he doesn't really do anything as a producer by all accounts um there's lots and lots of people who have worked with rick rubin over the years and some love him and some yeah. wonder what he's done i mean Corey taylor yeah. said when they were doing the third slip album through, they're like yeah. i never saw him like don't know where he was don't know what he was doing um 
John Dalmain has had this to say about Rick Rubin. Here's the thing. Rick's there for pre-production. He'll kind of help you brush up the little things that you that you don't need to do. He'll re-establish verses, choruses, that type of stuff, and help you expand on that, melody especially. He was there for a good portion of that, and he was there... Um, uh, and then he was there for the entirety of the drum tracking. And I think Rick believes that drum tracking is one of the most important parts of the record. And then he disappears for bass and guitar overdubs. And then he comes back in for the vocals. So for us, we didn't know any different. There are other bands where producers basically live in their in uh, live in their house for the beginning of the process to the end. That just didn't work for system anyway we didn't really need any songwriting help we had great songwriting in the band we needed production help we needed somebody that wasn't so inside the project to look at it from a different perspective and say you're not seeing this because you're there try this instead little things and i think rick rubin is the perfect person for any band to have that i mean clearly system of a down as we've already spoken about have an incredibly strong straight out the gate they have you know this unbelievable clear identity and meld of stuff that they know that they want to do they don't need somebody saying i'll cut that out and make that more radio friendly and do this there and polish it up and maybe try singing that bit or we don't you know lose the weird kind of shamanic ramblings over the eastern european stuff Mm -hmm. that would have destroyed system of a down Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. So what they need is Rick Rubin to go, that's really good, play it a bit harder. Yeah. Or whatever. I can also, I mean, I there's been plenty of criticism of Rick Rubin over the years, particularly later on, this idea of like him being a ghost in the studio and not really being there all that much uh, seems to have proliferated even more as the years have gone on. Um, but I think there is also something to be said for getting out of that environment for a few days and then coming back into it with more fresh ears. Um, Certainly, I don't have loads of experiences of being in the studio, but if you're cooped up there and, you know, you've been working on the same song for the past two days or something like that, just having like a fresh perspective can be all the creative difference in the world that you need. Um, And you know it's easy to paint rick rubin as like someone who's really lazy and is just sort of resting on his legacy blah 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 and maybe there's some truth to that but he obviously he does get results and he you know he still does great stuff now i mean didn't he do adele or something like that he like, did do adele yeah you can't really Sheeran, yeah. yeah you can't really argue with like the results of that um and i think he's you know he has a process and he goes through it with it and it gets great results so obviously it doesn't work for some people um i think slipknot acdc acdc i think slipknot at the time of volume three probably did need a bit of molly coddling i would have thought um just based on the stuff that i've heard that was going on in the slipknot camp at that point but um yeah um metallica as well with death magnetic it didn't really yield the kind of results that you would have hoped for no um but he did to to give him some respect for death magnetic he did go in there with a uh a mission which was to get them to sound like metallica of the 80s basically yeah. and did some quite simple stuff like you know they they'd gone into different tunings for load and reload and um sent anger and he was just like tuned back to standard tuning what you were play the tuning you were playing through for those classics master of puppets and justice for all ride the lightning because that 
in and of itself will subconsciously remind people of that era of Metallica. And I think tuning's, as boring as it is, tuning's got a lot to do with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was that thing, you know, go go back into your rehearsal room and say, if we were forming a band today yeah. for the first time, what would we sound like? And that's a really, you know, like those are the little nuggets that I think are cool. And I mean, I think it works better with a band who have, you know, in this case, 13 pretty much perfect songs to work with and to oh. go, how, how, how do we capture that? But, you know, I think you just needed they system of a on in yeah i mean in system of a down's case they had great songs they had a great identity they just needed somebody who could get them to play those songs to the absolute highest standard they could be played and get them captured and rick rubin did that mm. and so in terms of getting the material recorded and sort of interesting stuff in the studio i don't think there really there is very much it's just like a lot of rick rubin albums there isn't actually that much to say which means i guess we should probably talk about the actual songs themselves. Um, I'm going to start, Renfrey, by picking... I mean, we can start at the start with Sweet Pea, which I think that or War... The first time I heard System of a Down was either Sweet Pea on a Kerrang! CD or War on a Metal Hammer CD. They might have been literally days apart from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm happy to pick on either of those ones. I suppose Sweet Pea is the first song, so let's... Start with that. On a Kerrang! CD, opening up the record, this was the first, probably pretty much the first song by System of Down I've heard. What what, what was it? What, well, this is the thing. Sweet Pea goes through so many different changes and variations and different speeds and all, all, there's all these different parts to it um, in two and a half minutes. It's fucking amazing. The first thing you hear, I remember hearing that bonkers spidery riff and just being like, what the fuck is that? How do you do that? Um, And I remember getting the tab out from the local library when I was in Oxford to figure it out. And it's actually really simple. It's just um, Darren playing natural harmonics up and down the um, guitar strings and just going down, I think, from the b to the d to the g or something like that but it's it's so much easier than i thought and it's but it's that simple thing of looking at the guitar from a different perspective like tom morello would have done Mm. you know just adding a distinct flavor um and you come up with something really really cool which you haven't really heard before and to put that as the very first sound on your debut album as well that is such a statement of intent in just kind of like nope you've not heard this this is totally new and weird and odd and again it has that armenian flavor to it as well that's just the opening sort of six seconds of the record like you're already like what the fuck is this Um, yeah i i remember the first time i put it on or probably wasn't even the first time, but the first five, six, because everyone, you know, there was a there was a bit of buzz coming about for System of a Down. It was like, okay, so this is another one of those bands. And I was like, okay, go on then, impress me. And I'd done it to Spine Shank and I'd done it to fucking, you know, all these other, but go on then, let's see what you've got. Oh, another one of those bands from, you know, you're just going to sound like corn. And <laughs> I was like, I don't understand what this is. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't understand, you know, that, like you say, it, this sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's the, the riff. So that's a kind of, 
I mean, it's not really a new metal riff, but it's more new metally than you know. And ba die, die like a motherfucker. And then when that like die like a motherfucker, I was like, I, I. My initial reaction to it was, who told you this was a good idea? Yeah. How could you? I I I really didn't really care for Sweet Pea at all because I was like, how could you honestly think? doing like super high pitched voices and that like oh guttural like mm. is a good idea it's an awful idea it's, but and it it's, sounds amazing yeah it and i was just like so I don't, amazing but the first time you hear it you are like mm. i mean especially if you've never heard dead kennedys and mr bungle mm. and you know all those other things that we mentioned before i didn't know what the fuck was going on well i think i think sweet pea is just the entire song is just statement after statement after statement of like, we are different from everyone else. You know, after that weird spidery riff, you've got the opening lyric is I had an out of body experience the other day. Her name was Jesus, you know, <laughs> and it's just already kind of just like loads of images like what? Okay. They're already taking on like fucking religion and stuff like that. And mm. I mean, as I understand it, the song is basically about like evangelical types who, you know, basically want money to save your soul kind of thing. Lie naked on the floor and let the Messiah go through our souls, you know, mm. and stuff like that. But that was a real big statement of intent. And then just the the manner in which after the first minute, the song just sort of stops and Shavo's do, 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 do comes in. And then you've got this other part. I mean, it's just three different parts, this song, isn't it? just mm. lumped together but it it just sounds amazing it's one of my favorite system of a down songs ever um yeah. and it might be one of the best opening songs on an album ever like just just as a straight out of the gate this is who we are you've never heard anything like this before hello it's it's absolutely 10 out of 10 gold standard world-class opening song it's brilliant and i think i needed to hear war so i think i did hear sweet pea first because i needed to hear war to understand sweet pea if you know what i mean because mm -hmm. war was on a hammer cd so there was this kerrang cd that had sweet pea on hammer cd had war on and i remember that being a really really good cd as well i think it had the first i think it had withered by earth tone nine on it Oh, imprint by Vision Disorder, I think, was on it as well. Or by the river, by Vision Disorder was on it as well. Um, so it was it was like a great free CD. But War, I was like, okay, it's not as weird as Sweep. It's definitely not as weird, but it's still like really, really fucking weird. I mean, when again that bit where that we must call upon a bright darkness like the big kind of bit in the middle i was like wow that is um and you know the the, the kind of typical new metal build of war we don't take anymore yeah we don't speak anymore yeah. of war like as that builds up and builds up and builds up and then explodes you're like that is seriously fucking cool mm. like it's a great riff um that opens the whole thing up again it's unbelievably dynamic it does loads of stuff in it and that's only two minutes and 40 long yeah yeah and i remember being like okay i think i prefer this song out of the two of them and then loving war and going i should probably go back and listen to sweet pea and then when i listen to sweet pea 
with war as a sort of palate cleanser for it. I was like, ah, get it now. This is fucking brilliant. And that made me go, I think I have to get this album. I think I have to get this record. You know what? In in the latest of the sub-series, which is why Renfri shouldn't be an A&R person, um, War is one of my least favourite songs on this record. (laughs) But Mm. I think that is staggering proof as to what an incredible album this is. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. War is minimum a 9 out of 10. It's probably a 10. Uh, probably every song on this record's a 10, I think. Yeah. I love it that uh, much. I think so. I mean, I feel like Renfrey, the A&R guy, picked Sugar as a single. Mm. Because, I mean, I I mean, I mean, don't know what you would... I mean, Spiders is an obvious yeah. single, I guess. Great I think video Peep, as well. I love the video Peep, Spiders. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's really good. Um, Peep Hole, I was always a bit surprised that that wasn't a single. So I think that could have been a... Mm-hmm. sort of been a single maybe i don't know but sugar is now it's such a massive song i mean they end with it they usually end yeah. their live set with it yeah. and when you think about what we're going to speak about in part two yeah. the fact that they still feel like we should end our set with sugar yeah when you know you'd think byob aerials mm. chop fucking chop so they end with chop suey they yeah. end with sugar yeah 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 they usually right? chuck chop suey out fucking sixth or seventh on the set list. i know it's yeah fucking insane yeah um but sugar is like i mean we are speaking to merlin about from metal hammer about it and he was like i think the first half is probably a little bit more normal than the second half and i was like what the conjube the kombucha kombucha mushroom mushroom people people. yeah 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 you think that's not and that's a single you think that's normal i mean i remember hearing (laughs) that song obviously when i first got this record there's sweet pea and i was like okay i've heard that weird no is i mean uh again an amazing song yeah. john domain on that song that opening especially after into sweet peter where it comes in unbe- unbelievable song Pro- and probably one of their more straight ahead songs no if if we're going to put the straight ahead tag with system of a down yeah and i don't think there's loads of point really like no, no. spiders but you know yeah. yeah there aren't many straight ahead songs on this record and i think that's the beauty of system of a down I think people look at me and perceive me as someone who doesn't tend to like um, music that you hear in rock clubs that fill dance floors and stuff like that because I like more kind of, I like things that you have to tend to think about a bit more. And, you know, there's uh, bands often either uh, massage the brain or they massage, I don't know, like the the gut where you just want to dance. This amazing amalgam that System of a Down have of being able to do both simultaneously um, and not just on one or two songs on most of like the majority of their records certainly all of this record like you know you couldn't put mind on at a club or something like that um but most of these songs if you put them on at a club they would work you know yeah. and yet there's so much they're so odd at the same time um that is the magic of system of a down like it really is they're right there you know I mean, I mean, like I say, Sugar, I mean, no, yes, probably one of the more straightforward songs on this album would be the weirdest song Spineshank ever wrote. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then Sugar as a single, uh, I, I, that, that, I, I am amazed at how 
I mean, again, it's one of those songs that gets played a lot and we've all heard a lot. Uh, I, I can't get bored of hearing that song. There's no. so much weird shit going on in Sugar. Yeah. From, you know, you just... And that was a point where I went, fucking hell, that's really weird. That's really, really weird. But by, but but the, the mad thing about it is, is it's so weird and it's immediately even weirded out even more by, may I please remain <laughs> like, yeah. on suggestions? Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's, um, and again, I think suggestions is fucking brilliant. Sugar into suggestions is one of the oddest five just over five minutes of music you will hear on a major label record ever. Yeah. And it's, it's batshit fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is fucking insane. But, Both of those songs. But they brilliantly kind of, again, they, they have a brilliant tightrope balance between it being insane, but not wacky. It feels yeah. very natural. It feels mm. very natural what they're doing. It doesn't feel put on. Um, it's just what? Yeah, I mean, Sugar is just an unescapably brilliant song, isn't it? The moment, I think the Kombucha Mushroom People is such an odd lyric. The moment that mm. comes in and that little drum, it's just in your head. The, 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 the second you hear it, you're like, well, I, yeah, it's in yeah. my head now. That oh, we believe you. Oh. And also, I've just realised I've 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 done um, I've done the weird bit from darts rather than the weird bit from suggestions. I didn't mean may I please. I meant the the bonnetelling after day after day, so when they're coming close to the That is that is. So, I mean, I remember me and my mates hearing that for the first time and being like, "What the fuck is that? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I mean, one, where has that come from? Mm. What part of your mind has that come from? And two. What even possessed you to try that? In like in rehearsal, you try yeah. that as a joke, right? Yeah. And then people yeah. would go, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Surely. <laughs> they go, stop Surge. What the fuck was that? <laughs> and system of a down go to get to the point where it gets to the studio. And again, to have a producer who doesn't go, oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'm not sure about that, guys. I'm really not sure about that. Hey, come on. <laughs> I'm really not sure that but, you should put that on your the fourth song on your major label but the on fact your that debut album. Surge can pull that off. I mean, could David Draymond pull that off? No. Could no, Corey Taylor? <laughs> could Corey Taylor pull that off? I don't think so. Probably not. No. No. Um, I, mean, I mean, those two back to back, and the the I sit my desolate room, no lights, no music, just anger. That from Sugar. I mean, it's. When I, hearing that when I was 18, when you're an angry fucking 18 year old, yeah. like I was when I heard this, I mean, it, th that really, really spoke to me. And I was like, fucking, they, they have, they have made an anthem out of just, just weirdness and noise. Yeah, pretty much. Just weirdness and noise. And then you get Spiders as the fifth track, which again, I mean, I'd say pretty obvious as a single. Yeah the most obvious standout single. And for anyone who listens to the first four songs and goes, what is this weird shit? Like, it's like the Stuart Lee thing. I can write jokes. I just choose not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. System of a Down. I can write massive anthemic straight ahead. 
I say straight ahead, but I can write massive anthemic songs. We just kind of, for the majority of the time at this point, choose not to. Yeah, Sp- um, Spiders, I'd say Spiders is relatively straight ahead as a song. It's, yeah, prob- it's uh, probably the most straight ahead song on this record, but it's huge. Definitely. It sounds absolutely massive. And with the yeah. video, it's even more cinematic and epic. It's brilliant. It's, I mean, it's a really, it's a really genuinely quite a beautiful song. And again, there's System of a Down, particularly at this point in their career, they don't have a lot where you're like, oh my God, that's stirring, yeah. like epically stirring. Yeah. I think the bit in War is, I think yeah. there's Spiders, I think b- bits of Peephole as well probably yeah. are. Um, but there's not a lot that that is, and, and Spiders is amazing. I mean, like my mum liked that song. Right. My mum, my mum used to go, put the one about the hair on. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I know what she was talking about. It's sort of a a precursor to, um, uh, the last part of Chop Suey as well, in a way. Spiders, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then rather than going, okay, well, we've sort of been a bit weird at the start, but now we're on a roll. No, 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 no. The devil, like one minute, 43 fucking mental, uh, just com- completely met yeah. again absolutely fucking mental and punk as fuck shake your like, spear at shakespeare <laughs> yeah <laughs> just fucking stupid i don't think i don't does that song mean anything d devil talks about plagiarism the first verse is self-explanatory and refrigerator is a metaphor for the ones that stole but it also talks about the media right i mean i, I i've got i've got to be honest i mean the 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 comparisons with bands like Rage Against the Machine, I suppose we'll talk about System of Down's political leanings and, you know, all the kind of political stuff that they were about at some point, probably in the second part more than this one, really. Um, and they are often spoken about as a political band. But unlike, say, Rage Against the Machine, where they reference Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or Mumia Abu-Jamal and, you know, people like that, and then... You know exactly what they're talking about. You know what they're referencing. Yeah. Well, unless you're unless you're a Trump supporter on uh, on Twitter, <laughs> and then you go, oh, "I can't believe Tom Morello's <laughs> suddenly gone political." Fucking yeah, idiot. Yeah. Um, but most people realise that Radiance Machine are a politically minded band, and they understand the references that they're referring to in their music. Um, you know, People of the Sun is about the Zapatas. Everybody knows that. I don't know what anything of this is about. I mean, war, you know, I guess is sort of fairly self-explanatory. And I know there are a lot of, a lot of references to the Armenian, the Turkish uh, genocide of Armenia, which is something which they have spent the majority of their career talking about and um, making people aware of. But I don't often know what any of these songs are really about really you know they're about something though don't you you absolutely do i think that's the thing is that even though i mean you know i've said it about chino um and i think i'll echo system of a down what system of a down do is write these songs where you go this is clearly about something incredibly important Mm. and then in their interviews and in their packaging i mean i've got the vinyl of the first album here and it's got I mean, the inlay, I remember, I'm not sure it's got the same inlay, the vinyl to the CD. It's got a similar one, but there are bits, bits and bobs where at the end of, um, there are, 
so on soil for example um after the lyrics it's got the the lyrics the lyric sheet and then it's got um we first fought the heathens in the name of the religion then communism and now in the name of drugs and terrorism our excuses for global dominations always change so that for example is you read the lyrics and you go well i didn't quite get that from the song listening to it mm. listening to a song like soil which again it's a fucking brilliant song, but it's, yeah. I mean, looking at the lyrics, you know, they're fairly abstract in a way. Surge um, delivers them a fairly abstract, but you get the, you get the, the lyrics and you look at them and then you look at the bit at the end and you go, okay, right. Well, I can look at that now with that quote added to it. Mm. That just sort of helps you understand them a bit. I mean, I think. Well, they, soil, soil they, is predominantly about a friend of theirs who committed suicide. Right. Um, I, Soil is one of my favourite songs on this record. I think it's is it? fucking amazing. It's just such a journey of a song. You know, all that. Don't you mm. realise that evil lives in the motherfucking skin? You know, all that stuff. It's just so fucking... It's outrageous. Again, John Dalman, rhythmically. Oh, incredible. Yeah. That... Yeah don't you dim, 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 dim. Like, yeah fucking yeah. brilliant yeah yeah so and good. and of course it's kind of already been mentioned but soil is of course the name of their first band first band of darren mm. and serge's first band yeah i so think they, they had i i think they had this song i think that's i think soil is one of the songs that they had in soil and they kind of rejigged it for system of a down i believe right, okay so yeah mm. that might be true i haven't read that but that might be true um I mean, I actually think the second half of the record is probably even weirder. Yes, uh, definitely. Mind is, you know, the longest song on the record is uh, the slowest. Is it the slowest song on the record? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I it has so. it has its fast moments, but yeah, um, that opening kind of "Oh, baby, come close to me" yeah. is yeah, really like slow, and uh, there's that that um, Armenian rhythm to it mm-hmm. and the 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 spindly guitar riff yeah yeah darren's all that um i love and uh, listen to it trying to pick a favorite song on this record has been really 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 fucking difficult i think peephole might be my favorite song and i think it was when i first got this record and then it changed over the years and i think it's gone back to being my favorite again i think it's fucking brilliant i don't think there's another song like this ever by anyone Mm. it's amazing oh i'm sorry i'm just trying to think of a uh, favorite song um peephole is amazing i used to there are two that um darren malakian doesn't um solo very often um but he probably i mean this original album he usually does like two or three album two or three solos per album and the mm. solos on Peephole and on uh, Soil, mm. I used to. They're so weird and kind of Darren esque. I mean, you can sing along to them. The Peephole one is the end bit. Of that, that, yeah. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. When I got the guitar tab out, I just played those over and over again and probably pissed off my housemates um because there's because especially when you're not playing along with the cd they're just so kind of weird and odd um brilliant brilliant like 
we should, we should also say we should also say 1998 yeah. metal band solos yep yep like you know they didn't do us an anger and go oh you're not supposed to do solos so we mm. won't do them mm. they did do them but i don't ever remember i mean there was a little period when pantera were still around and new metal was like the big thing and i was like a pantera kind of sound old now because you know solos and it made them sound a little bit dated because everybody said solos are dead yep. solos are over it's done like you know don't solo he just sound like a granddad band and even pantera i was like yeah you know pantera sound a bit old now because of the solos metallica you know why are they doing solos i never ever 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 felt that was system of a down but they were so individual and unique they were almost individual in a tom morello sense because of course tom morello had a couple of guitar solos per record on those rage albums but they were so anti-guitar solo there's nothing particularly uh show-offy about either of them the um I mean, the the peephole solo has a couple of weird, like natural harmonic bits that you have to do, but it's not, they're not particularly difficult, you know, but there's just, they're just very unique to those guitar players, like really, really unique to them. Mm. Um, And peephole, of course, has that kind of polka thing come in for the first time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The first time in systems recorded output. Um, I mean, the polka thing really came back with uh, radio video, I think, or Mesmerize and stuff like that. Who would have thought to combine polka and metal? And who who wouldn't have like chucked that out as a terrible, terrible, drunken idea, you know? I think that's it. I was just like, oh, well, I'm aware that this is a sort of a style from like the 1920s or something. Yeah. And then it's this metal band thing, and it's just so massive. Don't you? You know the when it when it ends, when it gets to like Surge, literally screaming the the chorus by the end. It is, it's just so massive. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, just for the last three, I mean, Cuba and Darts are kind of more little weird ones. Um, both really good. That's where we get the May please that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> for Darts his his vocal the way i mean again i just don't know what where that came from in his head no no you're doing like three voices in one line at Mm. some in some parts this is mental but um pluck as the closing track it's fucking and one of the i mean they used to end with that um Mm. back in the day and it's just i mean that is an unbelievable close to this record incredible phenomenal song politically lying unholy cowardly killers is what pluck stands for so i think this is very definitely about the armenian genocide yes and i mean again like it's it it sort of ends the album the way that sweet pea ends it in that there are loads of different parts to this song. There are loads of dif- different rhythms. There are loads of different types of pacing. It doesn't really sound like anyone else, but it's ultimately kind of a fairly simple song. It's just a few little bits melded in together. You've got this incredible rhythm that goes all the way through it. Hearing Darren yeah. properly. Yeah. Like for one of the first times where you probably hear that Darren, who watch them all fall down. Like yeah. that bit. You're like, oh, it's another voice coming in mm-hmm. from somewhere um 
yeah, I mean, this yeah, would be another one that I would think is one of the best songs on the record. I agree. Darren's not on this record an awful lot, really, vocally. Um, mm. But uh, this song, I think I think he's on... Um, I do think... I think he's on the first song, actually, doing a few vocal bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. Um, he's on it a little bit, mm. but definitely, like, that voice that you now know as Darren Malakian's voice, yeah. you hear it the most kind of clearly, I think, on Pluck. Yes, most definitely, yeah. Mm. Um, a whole... And I think that lyric of, like, um, a whole race genocide, it's almost like a talk show host or a game show yeah. host doing it or something like that you know um yeah just absolutely brilliant phenomenal phenomenal song it's really really good this album is pretty much perfect I'd i uh, it, i think it probably is perfect yeah i think it probably is actually. i think it probably is i was really stunned it's 22 years old this album mm, which as is we talk today which is really frightening and i think it is held up so well could have been recorded yesterday because yeah. because again and it comes down to identity because it's so uniquely them this album it's just fucking genius it's brilliant mm. yeah it's incredible so we should probably talk about the release of the album. As I said, 30th of June, 1998, was released in America. Now, I don't and haven't found an official release date for the UK. But I'm telling you, <laughs> it didn't come out on the 30th of June in the UK because I had to get an import copy of this because I kept going in and it wasn't out and I kept mm. going in and it wasn't out. It wasn't out. And there are a few albums from the new metal generation that just never got released properly for, for years in the UK. Um, the first Seven Dust album I found on import, only ever on import in Virgin Megastores, and it was like 25 quid. So I ended up paying about £22 for this record on wow. import. Okay. Um, because, you know, I, I know it was going to be coming out, but the UK didn't in initially go mad for System of a Down in the same way as, you know, Roadrunner had fucking Strictly Diesel by Spineshank out straight away. Mm. But there was, you know, between Sweet Pea getting on, oh, look, this is out, and between the sort of talk of them playing the second stage at Ozfest, um, the UK didn't initially go absolutely mad. And in fact, I think I found the first time System of a Down were mentioned in a UK magazine ever. In Metal Hammer. So this is February 1998, Metal Hammer, right? And there is, as there always is in Metal Hammer, there is some, um, a piece on like, you know, uh, check them out. They've got new, new bands, the hottest new bands this month, right? And it's a double page spread of new bands, right? Mm -hmm. Clank are one of them. Backyard Babies. Backyard Babies did all right for themselves. Mm -hmm. Speed Urchin. Do you remember Speed Urchin? No. Nope. Never listened to him. And Cynical Smile, written by John our friend Jonathan Seltzer. Mm. Um, Cynical Smile were on Org Records, a London-based record label. And I've actually got a Cynical Smile EP. They were absolutely fine. They're the four bands who are considered the hottest new bands this month in Metal Hammer. Mm. Not System of a Down. Mm. In fact, System of a Down have 
their mention comes from i mean it's a it's a a, a sideline of what's it called a, a just one column down the side of the news part of the magazine like a, a box out yeah like a box out it's one it's basically a quarter of the page on the way down there's something called from the sewers so this isn't even thought of as like new 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 bands from the sewers from the sewers focuses on the best sounds from around the world's underground scenes right that is like you know so february 98 i guess they're recording the new system of down album but anyway from the sewers right you would think i'd look at this 22 years later and go i've never heard of any of these bands right they picked lit (laughs) queens of the stone age hello and system of a down are the three bands from the underground three classic three classic album contenders right there (laughs) (laughs) clank and speed urchin are the the bands that they really wanted to go big on in hammer that month but just a little column about the um queen to stone edge kaya split i mean the thing about that is you can kind of laugh and go ha 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 lit out of those three but to be fair if i found just a random metal hammer from 23 years ago and they went oh um there's this band called lit and they're going to be quite big you would go oh they were good for you yeah well in, done. in 1998 as well like there was no indication of no not at all, all. Yeah, yeah and you can say like lit are they a one-hit wonder and whatever and yeah they were um i mean but they've basically picked one band who ended up being quite a big one-hit wonder who played like the main stage at red and i believe we're meant to be playing download this year um right. as we record and um and then two bands who literally headline festivals all over the world yeah in front of eighty thousand people in queens of stone age and system of a down so it's not a bad shout it's not no, a bad little not, it's not a all. bad column at all um but this is what they say we lead off with a hot one this month system of a down is a name that you will have probably heard quite a bit of over the last few months what with dino from fear factory and tarry from tura santana dropping the band's name at every opportunity Though system are based in LA, the band are all of Armenian descent, which probably accounts for the infectiously odd moments in their mental beat. The band's self-titled third demo, which features three blinding tracks, No War and Peephole, sparked off a major label bidding war in the States with the mighty Geffen Corporation winning their signatures. Hmm. Systems as yet untitled debut album is debut album is currently being recorded in LA with Slayer, Stroke, Beastie Boys, Knob Twiddler, Rick Rubin producing. For more info on this soon to be massive band, check out their website www.labands.com forward slash system forward slash dot. <laughs> old old school <laughs> old school uh, um email just there, Renfrey. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought fucking hell, that must be like with the exception of, you know, like I say, probably people going, oh, this band, or whatever. That's probably the first time they ever featured at all in a British music magazine. Could well have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say that was February? Not yet. February 1998. Yeah, yeah. So it would have gone, would have been like January. I mean, it's got Metallica on the front cover. It's also got uh, Jonathan Seltzer's review of Cold's album, which he, got, he gave zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's quite a famous incident, isn't it? I don't mm. know if we're allowed to talk about it or not, but yeah. Oh, we're allowed to talk about it. It's okay. not a problem at all. Um, but yeah, so it did eventually come out um, in the UK. Karan gave it 5Ks, saying System of a Down is a truly wild ride. The rot stops here, uh, in a reference to new metal becoming a bit boring. So even Karan, see, like, even at that point, Karan were like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, finding old reviews for the enemy metal hammer and melody maker is quite difficult when like i say due to the album not coming out immediately it might have been reviewed in all manner of different times so i don't know I, I couldn't actually find any of those reviews i couldn't actually find the kerrang one i actually found that bit that i just read from kerrang from an interview that came out with system of down a few years later that kerrang referenced so i'm annoying annoyingly i can't find that kerrang review i think morat reviewed it anyway. right yeah um q gave the album 8 out of 10 calling it an excellent starting point for this most curious band pitchfork uh, gave it a 7.5 out of 10 and this is early early pitchfork as well mm. saying watching the masses sway to the tunings of system of a down when they opened for slayer was incontestable evidence to me that there was something special about this band listening to their self-titled debut cements the thought and it's easy to understand why this is the most inventive crossover, do we dare call it metal, recording since Rage Against the Machine's debut album. Um, a harmonic greeting pays away for the bottom-heavy attack of the album's first two tracks. So far, one senses a strong outfit in the vein of Korn, Sepultura and Deftones, but a substantially different sound is yet to arrive. Enter Sugar, where the band manages to fuse a ton of Brick's heaviness with a swing groove. Other creative tis twists and turns abound the caius like dreariness of spiders demonstrates the wide dynamic range of the band a quality lost to most of their contemporaries the devil gallops by with a with a groove somewhere between adamant and black sabbath it's quite good mind is the mm -hmm. bastard child of rage against the machine and napalm death peephole actually managed to incorporate a circus beat this he this healthy sense of experimentation is closely reminiscent of mr bungle though system of a down is less eccentric and as a result more accessible vocalist serge tankin should be congratulated for not only following his band through their schizophrenic terrain but actually approving improving upon it he peppers the album with gurgling howls blood curdling screams witch-like cackles and jazz cat sassiness never once losing sight of the fact that he can actually sing too um drowned in sound gave it a retrospective 10 out of 10 score in 2003 saying this incredible sounding rick rubin produced debut album manages to generate instantaneous euphoria with its hyperkinetic fast cut shock punk metal madness and that's the magic part many people may wonder where these darkly political us-based expat armenians are coming from are they the spiritual children of the dead kennedys slayer pantera primus i can even hear the cardiacs in there somewhere but all of that is to miss the point there's not really any style or genre that they sit in because this band are one of those who will always be in a world of their own correct Absolutely uh it's also correct yeah yeah correct uh it's also in the rolling stone guide um with a four out of five score and it's been included in the book 1001 albums to hear before you die uh loudwire included it in the best metal debut uh list they did last year at number 22 which um seems quite low to me perfectly mm. honest um in terms of the chart it didn't chart anywhere in the world other than number 124 in the US Billboard chart, which is mad considering when the next album came along. Yeah. Um, it's gone on to sell 1 million copies in the US, that's platinum, and 100,000 copies in the UK, which is gold. Apart from that, I'm pretty shocked to see how little coverage this record got from most places when it felt like such a big deal at the time. I mean, it certainly felt like a really, really big deal to me. And I know they went on to hugely commercially surpass it, but it does feel a bit odd that there isn't more to kind of dig into from it online these days, really. I was kind of surprised. I looked up both Wikipedia entries for these albums, System of a Down and Toxicity, and I, I knew the Toxicity one would be bigger, but I didn't think it would be sort of 10 times, 20 times mm. the size. But yeah, 
Um, although having said that, I have to confess, I didn't really properly get into system until a few months before Toxicity came out. So, you know, I guess I was one of the people like for, for most of this album cycle, I wasn't on board. I didn't I didn't really know who they were. So. Right. Fair enough. Um, so after that, so, you know, they're they're they're. I think getting this kind of a bit of a, a cult following, you know, particularly in the mm-hmm. UK, I don't I think it did take a little while for it to really happen, but the band went out on the road with Slayer and Metallica in the United States and also were the breakthrough band that year at the Ozfest in 1998, that fabled second stage Ozfest slot where, you know, for a few years, it felt like every year there was a band on the second stage in 1999, it would be Slipknot. Um, but every year it felt like there was a band on that second stage that people went absolutely fucking batty for um there's some footage of this period on youtube i think it might actually be the first ever ozfest 98 show and if you watch that and you've seen them at download over the past decade you can see why i give them a really hard time as a live band now because they were capable of that Mm. do you know what i mean and it's really hard i mean that that Ozfest, I always look at every year. You know, as a, as, a, as a kid, I would look at the Ozfest lineups in the US and be like, "Oh, why? I want to go so bad." Um, John Domain says, "I have to say that the Ozfest that year was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. There was such a good vibe going on with us, Snot, Soulfly, Incubus, Tool, Limp Biscuit. I mean, fucking." I would have given fucking anything to go to one of those Ozfests back in the day. Oh God, yeah, yeah, those lineups so, so are just good. just insane. And when you think about the stuff that they would have been playing as well, I mean, seeing, I was pretty happy seeing System of a Down on Toxicity, you know, because you mm. just get songs from those two albums, and they used to play twenty five, twenty six, twenty eight song sets, you know. Um, but yeah, to be able to just see them on this album and just get songs from this record would have been incredible. Yeah. And um, they released Sugar as the first single uh, around that time as well. I'd never seen the full video until now, actually. Weirdly enough, I'd never watched the video for Sugar, oh, I don't wow. think. I'm okay. pretty sure. Um, brilliant, brilliant video. It got to number 136 in the UK singles chart. Didn't chart in the US. Uh, it actually was released in the UK a lot later than when it was in the US, kind of mirroring sort of the entirety of this record um but by the time we get to kind of the end of 1998 i think the noise coming from the us was just too much for the uk to ignore really they were added to the kerrang x-fest shows in november as the opening band on a three-night co-headlining run by slayer and sepultura and i was there and um i've got the review here Kerrang were there. It's the same night that I went. Um, I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to show you this, Renfrey. There is Kerry King's Hello. bald noggin yeah. um, as the main picture. Um, System of a Down. I'll, get, I'll just read there a little bit. That'll come for later. For now, we've got LA newcomer System of a Down cranking the sauna-like heat up even higher. We've waited a long fucking time to get to London, Raw's vocalist Serge Tankian, and it's obvious that London is more than happy to make the Armenian quartet's acquaintance. Um, 
The most original and distinctive new metal band of 1998 system are stunning tonight. Sweet pea and sugar, twist and twirl like whirling dervishes, all low-end syncopated crunch and an Arabic texture. The freaky the devil is eerie and otherworldly and war is an absolute firecracker. Tanky and spitting out lyrics about fighting heathens like Saddam Hussein's institutionalized cousin. When they hit Britain's clubs next year, kill to be there. Uh, Paul Brannigan wrote that. Oh, nice. Cool. Lovely, lovely Paul Brannigan. Um, yeah, I went to those shows. I went to one of those shows. Mm-hmm. I think I went to the middle night as well. And I, I mean, really, to be perfectly honest, I bought a ticket before they were added to the shows. I bought a ticket because I really wanted to see Sepultura because mm-hmm. by this point I was f- fucking absolutely love Sepultura. And even though it was no max, you know, and I was excited for see sepulture in general and i want to you know want to see slayer as well but when system of a down were added i was like you know i was like oh my this is fucking awesome like i've just been listening i got this album on import Mm -hmm. i think it had just been released at that time but still like i say i don't think people were going mad 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 for it um and i was really excited i queued for two hours before doors opening outside the Astoria. Wow. In November, because Ooh. it was so fucking cold. Um, I was, uh, it was so, it was so cold. I was, but I was like, no, I am securing here for two hours. I'm going to be one of the first people in. I have to see all of System of a Down. Mm-hmm. And System of a Down, the doors open at seven, probably, probably seven. Um, System of a Down were on <laughs> probably about, 15 minutes after the doors open because okay. you've got slayer doing a full hour and a half set and you've got uh sepultura doing a headline set as well mm-hmm. two headliners dual headliner right so mm-hmm. the opening band are going to be on early and they're only going to get half an hour mm-hmm. so i was like i probably will be on fairly early and i got in there and i walked to the front and it was on the barrier there was no one else i was 10 people from the front of the line and I just walked straight in and went and stood on the barrier right in the middle of the thing because I knew System of a Down would be on soon. Mm-hmm. And when they came on, I reckon there was probably... The Astoria holds about 1,500 people, 1,800 people, I mm-hmm. think it used to hold. And it was, from memory, a, a fairly big dance floor, if you want to call yeah, it that. Yeah, yeah, relatively. And I reckon there was about 50 people on that dance floor. Oh, that holds. really? probably about you know six six seven hundred people wow okay um there's about 50 people on there when system of down came on because i remember looking behind me as the thing went down and went oh fuck there's hardly anyone here is this going to sound like shit is it going to be rubbish um i would say the venue by the time they finished was more or less sort of two-thirds full Mm -hmm. uh I'm not sure I can think of another time where a the first band going on, not like main support, like the first band going on, mm. wipe the floor with two with two established bands, Slayer and Sepultura. Yeah. And System of a Down made both of them look not just not as good, not just were better than them, they made them look irrelevant Mm. i mean i actually i really felt for sepultura that night because sepultura no one like no one really gave a fuck about Mm. sepultura that night 
Sepultura, you know, two years after fucking Roots has come out and they're the hottest metal band around. You yeah. know, they weren't they weren't great, Sepultura. Like they didn't, you know, they were obviously it's one of Derek's first shows. Yeah. I think it was their first tour with so Derek. They were on, on against, were they? They're on against, so they're playing a lot of material from against, which is not again, is not a great record. Mm. Um people love Slayer. Do you know what I mean? People just fucking love Slayer. Whatever they do, people go fucking batty for Slayer. So Slayer less so, although I thought Slayer looked tired compared to System of a Down. System of a Down just wiped the fucking floor with those bands. I can see I can see it so clearly in my mind 22 years later. So clearly. What was it was it, incredible. What was it about them that made them such, uh, that made them really stand out? Well, it's everything we've been talking about really already. I mean, it's the fact that, I mean, John was wearing a gas mask. Right. Darren was spinning round on the, Darren was topless and he had silver body paint on and he had his hair, this sort of mohawk like tied up above his hair. Mm-hmm. Serge just had this big shirt on, this really kind of wavy floral shirt on and, you know, painting on his, his afro was massive. His voice was incredible. They were so heavy. Mm-hmm. They were so fast. They were so, it was breakneck. You know, they basically, I mean, System of a Down, the album is 40 minutes and 36 seconds long. Yeah. They played the whole thing and spoke in between songs in half an hour. Nice. I think they played every, I mean, I can't say that absolutely with, you know, definite certainty. Mm. I'm pretty sure they played every song. Mm. I, I remember them playing pretty much every song, but they play a 40 minute long album and spoke about the Armenian genocide and said some weird shit. I mean, one of the quotes that they have, um, uh, it from Darren is like, he says, <laughs> Serge does a big thing about the Armenian genocide. And then Darren says, this is our last song and you'd better enjoy it because they're going to kill us because they're going to kill us. And he screamed it. And I remember him saying that. And I was like, the fuck's this guy on about like he's mad they're just fuck and it was just insane and you looked around and there was half the people there were there was a there was quite a few people who were like yeah system of a down and there were quite a few people who were like just their jaws on their floor on the floor going what the fuck is this mm. and there were a lot of people that were like this is shit this is absolute shit and it created a really weird tension within the room. And the more full the room got, the weirder that tension became. But I will never forget them, like, walk... I will never forget seeing System of a Down walk onto the stage in front of about 50 people and John pulling out the, that, that drum part to know, which is what they started with. Mm. And just seeing them start sort of spinning around and doing these, like, like a cartoon. Mm. And turning around and going, if people can... What the fuck? Like, can people see this? This is mm. fucking insane. Um, it was just the most exciting thing I'd seen up until that point, probably. Uh, and it fe- and I looked and I was like, "This has to be massive hmm. one day." Like I don't know how I don't know how many people are going to get it. I mean, I thought at that point, you know, third in the Kerrang albums of the year, and you know, within six months they'd come back and they were headlining the Astoria, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, I mean, I thought that was wow, they're getting really big. You know, I never, I don't, not sure I could have really envisaged them doing what they ended up doing. But in terms of like one night making other bands look ridiculous and tired and old and past it and 
no one's ever really done that mm. to that extent that I can remember off the top of my head. It was fucking phenomenal. Um, and they've never really got back to replicating that, I don't think, from that first album. Um, it was just the way that they acted, the way they talked, and it seems kind of extreme and, you know, like but it seemed like the most extreme thing around at the time. And I think, you know, they never completely got rid of that, but, you know, it was it was never as wild and as mad as that in fact i've actually got um the week after this they have was well, the, the 9th of january 1999 they interviewed system of a down backstage at these shows mm-hmm. um and and even their interviews i mean you listen to them now when they talk about stuff and they go oh i think this and this and that and the other but um i mean the way they talk about uh you know, the, the System of a Down, this is a bit from it that I think says a lot about the mindset of System of a Down at that time. Um, if System of a Down are to be believed, then their stubborn refusal to drop certain polit- political hot potatoes will ensure that they stand a good chance of ushering in the millennium from the inside of a, of a pine box six feet underground. Um, do you honestly believe the man is out to get you? We're not afraid to speak our minds, whispers Serge conspiratorially. Throughout time, when certain people have spoken their minds, they've been silenced in a way that makes it look like accidents. We just want people to be aware that if that does that if that does happen to us, you'll know why, adds John. Um, if they haven't killed Jello Biafra yet, then why, with all due respect, would they be interested in you? Because Jello Biafra doesn't talk shit about the government of Turkey, yells Darren excitedly. There are some really touchy subjects. For me to say that is kind of an insurance policy against it happening. Who exactly are you talking about here? There are lots of theys, says Surgeon Huss Tones. The intelligence community whose interests are aligned with global economic interests have caused a lot of quote-unquote accidents to happen to a lot of people they killed jfk john lennon before he died called a close friend and basically said that if anything happened to him or yoko ono then it wouldn't be an accident are you sure that wasn't just paranoia on his part after years of being chonged off his tits on class a pharmaceuticals well he's dead isn't he erupts darren with irrefutable logic psychosis is a weapon i mean that's just one little paragraph from that interview that they've put towards the end of it where they're talking about you know system of downs talking about the the armenian genocide and whilst undoubtedly system of a down continued to talk about those things and continued to be a very very strange band in the mainstream in the latter part of their career i'm not sure they ever were that weird again no yeah it, it almost it comes across as a little bit um uh paranoid as well maybe so maybe they became aware of like because they they've come across with it with more kind of thought and nuance and intelligence it feels um what how mm. they've talked about that in the future um that that seems a little bit kind of confused and everyone jumping in on the subject and yeah that's quite interesting i mean they they just sound like whack jobs if you read the whole yeah. piece there's i mean there's a bit where so is tanking is saying you know did you know anything about the armenian genocide and the interviewer goes oh no i didn't actually but i went and read up about it after your thing and he's like well yeah there you go precisely that's what we're gonna do and there's a bit where they say um you know would you consider playing turkey 
And they're like, yeah, if they apologize for the Armenian genocide, like they genuinely believed at that point hmm. that they could get the government to do that. And I actually think that, you know, although I think they continue to, they obviously continue to fight against that. They obviously continue to, to talk about that a lot. Um, they're obviously very interested in human rights, et cetera, et cetera. And they have their political opinions. Being a young band, as crazy as that and going, we're only going to play Turkey if their government apologizes for a genocide that happened eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, it's, I mean, it's not going to happen, but yeah. I love the fact, but I love the fact that they were that fucking uncompromising to be like, no, that's what's got to happen for us to play there. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. fucking brilliant. Fair play to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so spiders came out in the U S uh, again, I'd never seen the video until, now for that either oh Spiders. no way cool. and i watched it yeah um looks like it had a lot of for the late 90s a lot of money spent on it again yeah. didn't chart over here um the band came back to the uk for their first headlining tour in may 1999 again static x and spine shank i went to the astoria show kerrang reviewed the uh kerrang reviewed the um the wolverhampton show on this tour which i believe was their first ever headlining show there's a the pictures for you renfrey you Ooh, can see hello. how fucking mental it looks shavo yeah. looking proper mental on that again five out of five um i won't read the whole thing it's quite a lot to read but um high point the sassy new single sugar so yeah new single this is 29th of may 1999 new single they only released it into to coincide with that um that uk tour um it's, yeah five out of five and it's it's fucking it's fucking amazing. It says, finishing with pluck, they leave Wolverhampton stunned and singer Serge is as shocked as anyone. Man, I'm overwhelmed, he says backstage. The reaction's been so positive here tonight, especially since it's the first time uh, we have a headlined over here. What can I say? Let's just say they're pretty fucking fantastic and leave it at that. That's what Ben Myers says. Mm. I have to agree. I mean, again, um, it's the first time I saw Static X. They were really good. Spy Jank were boring. But <laughs> System of a Down, again, I mean, they, they pretty much played... Um, they pretty much played the same set as they played with Slayer. Right. Uh, but they just played it a bit slower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they did like 50 minutes rather than um, half an hour. Okay. Well, that works. Yeah. Yeah. They just played them at a normal speed. I do remember thinking, um, I think they did, a, they did a cover of something. I can't remember. What they did, but I'm pretty sure they did a cover. And they might have done, I mean, again, they... They did a song for the Chef Aid soundtrack. Oh yeah, uh, would they lie for you? I don't think they. I don't think they played that, but they played. They might. Have, I think they played one of the B sides as well. They did Metro by um, Berlin. Berlin. I think mm. they played that. Such yeah. a great song. I love that cover. Yeah. Mm. System really, of really covers. Good. I mean, well, we'll probably get into it later. But System of a Down doing covers, very, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Um, uh, and then they went back on the Ozfest uh, in 1999. Um, this time on the main stage, Slipknot, as I said, with the band that stole the, the second stage that year. Uh, it was captured in a documentary called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, a concert film and backstage documentary, which was directed by Penelope Spheris of Wayne's World and the Decline of Western Civilization fame. Yeah. A pretty fucking good documentary. That Have you ever seen that before? I don't think I have, actually. It's, it's all right. It's just basically a lot of... I mean, there's a few highlights on it. System are... Are, are really good on it. It shows a bit of them doing sugar on the main stage at Ozfest. Uh, it's pretty good. Shows Chino um, from Deftones punching someone in the face in the front row of and getting really annoyed with him. Um, and it shows Wayne Static uh, from Static X 
losing his backstage pass and having to go back to his bus and someone's bus breaks down and it's got an interview with Buckethead when he's playing with Primus brilliant uh, which is one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen in my life um but it's a it's a pretty good documentary I think it's on YouTube if you want to get a chance to watch it it is actually pretty good um the album in 1999 won the Kerrang award for best album um which was beating Monster Magnets Power Trip which mm-hmm. Sort of swept up earlier that year uh they came back for another x fest show in december 1999 at the astoria um a couple of weeks after slipknot's first uk show at the astoria in fact there was a month there where i think nine inch nails played and then slipknot played about a week later and then a couple of weeks later i saw machine head at brixton academy and I actually had a ticket for this show. I was going to the System of a Down show. It was the night after Machine Head. Um, but I missed the show in absurd circumstances. I got the wrong train back from London. And on a Sunday night, I was left stranded in Farnham, which is about 25 miles outside of where I live, in oh. the snow. I didn't get back home. And I had a, t- a wet, soggy T-shirt from the Machine Head gig on. And I went home. I got home in a taxi at about four o'clock in the morning and I slept till like seven o'clock the next day. I had a fucking chill and everything. So I didn't get to go to the system of a down gig. And my mate told me it's the best, the best gig that he ever went, the best system show he's ever seen. So that's really fucking annoying. So I could have seen him three times on this first album cycle. Fuck. And I actually, I actually only saw them twice. And uh, again, reviewed in Kerrang. Um, Jonathan Davis on the front cover, January the 8th, 2000 got four k's this one as opposed to five ashley bird did it um he told me that at the end everyone stormed the stage and there is photographic evidence there remfrey of people storming the stage so um yeah a bit of a bummer a bit of a bummer to have missed that pretty annoying but you know um there you go and then after that system of a down were gone they were just done weren't they they were done for a little bit they sort of left they left the scene to go away and concentrate on their next album. And it, you know, um, felt like Slipknot had sort of usurped them as the exciting new band. Slipknot came in on their debut record and suddenly that was the thing that people were talking about and System of the Down just kind of slipped out the side door for, for a little while. Yes. And that was um, that touring cycle <clears throat> over. Um, uh, and anyway, uh, we will talk about what happened in that period and, and you know that little 18 month period in the second half but here's what i will say about it just as a little teaser for it during that period it felt like system of a down went away for a long time i don't know if you felt that or if you weren't really invested in them at that i point. wasn't invested enough um because <clears throat> as i say i just got into the band uh, a few months prior to toxicity hmm. so for me it was like that astoria show happened in december 1999 and it was August 2001 before you really heard back from System of a Down again. Now, I felt like that period felt like a really long time. Although, you know, looking at it now, it's basically only a year and year and a half, mm. year and, a, mm. you know, 20 months. But I mean, um, that felt like it was three yeah. years, three years between the self-titled and Toxicity and particularly from a debut to a sophomore record that felt like quite a lot the standard was two years rather than three years so that's it felt yeah. like a long time it did feel like a long time and i think it especially feels like a long time when you consider that in that time slipknot released the self-titled and then iowa yeah blink 182 became massive mm. 
Rage Against the Machine came back with the Battle of Los Angeles. Linkin Park came out. Disturbed came out. Papa Roach came out. Eminem came out. White Pony came out. Lateralis came out. The Fragile came out. Yeah. Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavoured Water came out. Rated R by Queens of Stone Edge came out. The Dillinger Escape Plan became a thing. Glassjaw yeah. became a thing. Yeah. At the Drive-In became a thing. Lost Profits became a thing. Creed became a thing. Jane Doe was released on the same day as Toxicity. That happened in the 18-month period that System of a Down were away. And I have to say that that is a lot of stuff happening. Mm, yeah, yeah. What that time is a lot to be alive? I know. I mean, that is a lot of stuff happening. And if you go away for that amount of time, you'd have to do something pretty big to recapture that feeling that you are the most exciting thing happening in music mm -hmm. because that's a lot of shit to be competing with mm -hmm. which is where we will leave part one of this two-part system of a down extravaganza um only to say um the summation of the debut system of a down record and its legacy um to you renfrey what is it i think um the individual kind of voice that system of a down have sounds as resonant in 2020 when we're recording this as it did in 1998 and the fact that uh there are bands who try to um build on what system of a down have done but none have really properly recaptured it what they do that mix between as i said earlier the uh the brawn of the riffs that you can dance to on a rock floor and but the intelligence of like some of the songwriting and where those songs go um all of that started here and it was almost i mean system formed in 1994 so they had a little bit of time behind the scenes tinkering and stuff like that but by the time the world got to see it it was relatively fully formed there were you know there were things that they did which, where they changed the formula and made it a little bit more anthemic and so on and so forth. But all of these seeds of that were on this record. And it contains some of the best songs they ever wrote. Um, it's just, I mean, we we said, I think every single song on this album is a 10 out of 10. Yeah, probably. It, it, is, it is probably, objectively, System's best record, I would say. Um... I don't know if it's my favourite, but it probably is objectively their best, I think. Um, I think it's a slim... I mean, they're all variations of 10s and 9s in my book anyway, to be honest. Um, mm. But it's really difficult to find fault with this record. And if even at my nittiest, pickiest, and if I'm being really, 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 really nitpicky, I can find faults in the others, but it's really difficult with this one. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird one to be talking about the legacy of the first System of a Down album because we have, you know, so much more to consider when it comes to the fact that they are one of the definitive bands of both of our lifetimes. But, I mean, we can talk about the kind of objective nature of this being the best one. For me, objective or not, it, it's my favorite one. Um, this record is so important to me. I really felt like metal 
new metal, heavy music in general, was just starting, was just starting to tread water a bit in 1998. And I quite conceivably could have binned off kind of guitar music in the main around this point. I mean, I still would have wanted to listen to, I don't know, Therapy and Monster Magnet or Radiohead and uh, stuff like that. But the fact that System of a Down brought weird, really, really weird influences to me. The punk rock thing is massive, massive. Like that, getting me into Dead Kennedys and Bad Brains and then boom, off we go mm. to an entirely new world of stuff, which I hadn't really paid, really paid that much attention to. You know, I've said it before, like I love Sick of It All and I loved Hardcore, but that hadn't really led me down a path to listen to some of that other stuff. And then you got the kind of odd shit. Like I knew about Mr. Bungle because it was Mike Patton's band and I'd heard a bit of it, but I didn't necessarily quite get it. I think Faith No More are an odd band, but not as odd as Mr. Bungle and not really as odd as System of a Down on this record. And Primus as well, you know, like we haven't really mentioned Primus. I think that's another sort of fairly good shout. But I didn't get that stuff previously. Do you know, I really didn't understand it. And suddenly I felt like, oh, I can listen to music that's re- really quite odd. And that you can do anything. You can do any voice. You can do any rhythm. You can do, you know, X amount, endless amounts of different parts and find ways to thread them together. I'm not sure I really understood that and could comprehend that until System of a Down showed me on this record how you can do that while still keeping it as a song, something catchy. Mm-hmm. And all that plus a mixture of the kind of the f- more folky stuff that my mum listened to when I was a kid that I'd heard from my childhood. For my mum to be able to listen to Spiders and to get something from it, mm-hmm. you know, that meant quite a lot to me, really. Like I wanted my mum to like the same music as me. I mean, this is comfortably one of my favourite albums from a period that is filled to the brim stocked chock full of unpredictable exciting outrageous music and whilst i sit there and i go well what did system of a down really get me into like what did system of down kind of open the doorway up to really because nothing really sounds like them that i can put my finger on like easy enough i mean would i have bothered with glassjaw would i have tried so hard with refused would i have tried so hard with dillinger or converge or drowning man or snapcase or cave in without this record just kind of creaking that door open for me for a minute. I, I, I don't think I would. Mm. I genuinely don't think I would. And it feels like a really weird comparison to be com- comparing those kind of hardcore bands with this record. But I genuinely don't think I would have done. I think this is kind of a perfect storm because I really needed a record in 1998 that made me not feel bored by heavy music. Mm. Because every time I was told that this band are going to be the next new thing, this band are going to do that, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want a not as good version of Corn. Yeah, I didn't want a lame version of Deftones. I didn't want Machine Ed, but the songs aren't quite as good. Mm. I wanted something that was as good as that. Yeah, and then arguably got something which was better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about again objectively is this record better than Toxicity, and we'll probably have that conversation more towards the end. I mean, I think it's hard to argue with the, the 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 how just massive and perfect and inclusive toxicity sounds. But True. for me and for what I like now, mm. this album is wilder, 
It's punkier. I don't think they've ever sounded as disturbed. I don't think they've ever sounded as odd. I don't think they've ever sounded as raw Mm -hmm. or as chaotic or as heavy as they do on System of a Down. They've sounded brilliant and they've, you know, to find ways to meld that into something that everybody can listen to is what we're just about to spend two hours talking about. But for me and my personal tastes and for what I like, this is the fucking bullseye. And not just for System of a Down. I mean, this is the bullseye for heavy music, pretty much. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's just, as I say, it's just perfect. I can't think of a single thing. If I were going in with notes to say what I would do to change this record, I don't think I'd have a single one. I think it's just absolutely flawless and has stood up brilliantly. It is an absolutely astonishing record. And, (laughs) you know, and I mean, if, if you're one of the people who maybe you have never got into System of a Down or maybe you thought, I mean... I, I saw something on YouTube and I should, probably shouldn't spend too much time worrying about what people say on YouTube, but I saw something on YouTube where Wade McNeil was being interviewed by someone. They're, they're talking about alternative metal bands and somebody said that System of a Down were like the Nickelback, were just like a metal version of Nickelback. And it's like, how could you listen to this record no. and think that? I mean, how could you listen to any of their records and think that? But particularly like, yeah. you've clearly never heard such Like, in what world are you living on this is utterly unique totally singular it, it couldn't be any other band mm. comparing it to nickelback is completely ridiculous i would say you know there's obviously a lot more to come but for me system of a down system of a down is undoubtedly one of the most important formative records of my entire life and i think it is like i say it's as good as heavy music gets mm-hmm. it's got everything um, so there you go. That was part one of our chat about System of a Down, their self-titled debut record. In part two, which is available for you right now, because me and Renfrey are just about to record it, uh, we'll be talking about toxicity. Go over to patreon.com forward slash podcast, and for £5 a month, you can sign up and listen to that. And you can listen to all the other classic albums that we do we've done the likes of pink floyd radiohead gallows nick cave beastie boys Boys, weezer blur um what's his name (laughs) what's his name marilyn manson yeah that's the guy um (laughs) that guy lama god we've done loads we've done loads uh we give you we give you two a month we give you two a month and um and they're pretty much my favorite ones to do Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that. I've really, really enjoyed it. And it's not going to get any less enjoyable when we go over to our Patreon and do the next part. So come and join us over there. Let's go there now.